This is Mark Joseph Bennett coming to you, recorded from the Prius Recording Studio once again. And yes, that was theme music. Now, I don't know if I'll do it every week, and I don't know if it'll be that same song, but uh, I figure why not? Let's spruce it up. I know I said I'd never do it, but I did it. And that was in honor of my baby boy, little baby Sam. That is his favorite band, Rage Against the Machine. And uh, you say, Mark, your baby is 18 months old. How is his favorite band, Rage Against the Machine? That's simple. I'm a bad father. Bad fathers will let their sons hear that type of music. It started, it started as a joke. Ladies and germs, what happened was... I, um, I'm going through the list of songs that are appropriate for him on my iPod. And I'm not, I don't mean my iPod touch for you kids out there. I'm talking about like the old iPods, you know, that have the, the scrolly wheel, the little wheel that you go around. I never really mastered that. But anyway, I was going through it looking for the Raffies and the whatever else I have loaded on there. And, uh, but I got bored. All right. And I thought it would be cute to just turn on Rage Against the Machine and dance around with the kid, you know? And uh, it uh, was uh, not a good idea because he fucking loved it. He went nuts. He started jumping around and going bananas and screaming, like, yeah, yeah! And uh, so now it's his favorite. He will not let me put on anything else, like especially kids' music. He hates the kids' music. But uh, Menge... That's what he calls Rage Against the Machine. I think he's trying to say machine. And he says, Menge! And uh, so I'll, like, I'll turn on, like, you know, I don't know, Sharon Lois and Bram or, or some Elmo song from Sesame Street, and he'll just be going, Menge, Menge, Menge. So that, that's what's happened. That's what daddy daycare is. We should have sent him to a daycare, to a reputable institution that doesn't fill their child with rage. But I, uh, that's what I did. You know what? I don't, I don't regret it. I don't. I'll tell you why. We have a sweet boy, a gentle soul, the greatest boy in the world. He's just, no, but he's very sweet. He's a very sweet boy. He's very gentle. He doesn't uh, do violent things. He's, uh, and so when, and when he's with other children, uh, and as longtime listeners of the podcast know, uh, my boy hates other children. All right. And he's a lot like his dad. He's not a big fan of his own peer group. And um, he likes older kids and he likes adults. But kids his own age, they're unpredictable. And he's been hurt. He's been hurt before. He's gotten his hair pulled. He's gotten that, that little light skin right above your collarbone. One little girl, she grabbed that and twisted it and gave him like a, a, like a bruise. It broke a bunch of blood vessels right there. Do you know how much that must have fucking hurt? So, yeah, I don't blame him. For being a little gun shy of those little crazy bastards. You know? If they were just if they had the strength of adults, I'd never go into a daycare. Like those those fucking things. I mean you wouldn't be safe. And so for him, he's not safe. And he's right. And so, um, but when they attack, he kind of shuts down. He just goes, he just stiffens up. He goes, he he stays still, you know, kind of like a if I don't move, then they won't know I'm a person. They'll think I'm a statue, and everything's going to be fine. But of course, it's not fine. They just keep tugging on his hair. So I'm figuring, even if, even if I am putting some kind of uh, anger 
inside the boy, maybe he needs it, right? Maybe it's the opposite of how it sounds. Maybe I'm being a great dad, right? Probably not, but it's possible. It's possible. You can't put too much pressure on it. Honestly, with the kids, this is my theory, and God knows I'm wrong, but my theory is that you just, you give them love. Oh, love the children. They're our future, everyone. But you just, you know, you be there for the kid. My wife, the other day, she got really mad at herself. You know, she says, which is better than her being mad at me, of course. So uh, she's mad at herself, and she's saying, I just, I don't do enough with him. I should be trying to teach him more. I should be bringing him more places. This weekend, we just stayed in. I, we, I should have been bringing him to museums or taking him sliding or, or, or something, you know? And I said, listen, he's an introvert, all right? He likes reading books. He likes listening to Menge. You know, he, he likes uh, just being at home with his folks. And that's all right. I'm an introvert. I know, I know, yes, I perform. I perform on stage, but that's a performance. Other than that, you know, I I stay quiet. So, you know, if I go to a party, you're not like, who's that fucking lunatic just standing on the coffee table, pissing into the lamp? That's not, that's not me. I, uh, I quietly sit in the corner and uh, I judge the man who's standing in the coffee table and I make snide remarks to all those around me. And then I find out later that those people are his best friends, and I hate myself. That's how I roll. Okay? But that's the thing. You can't overcomplicate the kids. You got you to put in a good effort. You got to read some books. You got to do your best. However, don't overcomplicate it. You just you be there for the kid. If there's anything that you can take from, uh, you know, children who are acting badly or, or having a tough time in life, it's usually because they're being neglected in some way by their caregiver. You know what I mean? So, so what? If we're sitting at home listening to political, po- political, politically fueled rants, right? By Rage Against the Machine. Man, that, what is hilarious though, is that, uh, I also started showing him YouTube videos of Rage Against the Machine in live concerts because I thought uh, that it would be a good idea to show him that the instruments, because he seemed to be very interested in like drums and guitars and stuff like that. So if he's watching the concert, he can see the guy playing guitar, the guy playing drums, and you know it might make him associate those things better. I figured it was a good plan. Again, I was wrong. So because A... Uh, the audience, they show the audience at these outdoor concerts, and often women are flashing their tits, and, uh, you know, but is that wrong, though, right? Is is that wrong? Like, the other day, I was at my brother's place, and I was showing, like, I mean, my boy, we were all hanging out at my brother's, and uh, I was showing my boy the Rage Against the Machine concert, that's his favorite one. And then my brother's kid, who's my nephew, he's nine years old, he comes running downstairs, and he's like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, this is Sam's favorite thing to watch. It's Rage Against the Machine. And um, then he turns and looks at the TV, and then he just looks away, uh, Nick, and he says, oh, oh, I just saw something so inappropriate. It was so inappropriate for me, <laughs> which made me laugh, because who says that? I just saw something inappropriate. But 
I get what he was saying. I know what he saw was was some boobs. I know it. I didn't actually catch him looking at it, but I, I know that's probably what he saw. So uh, I said to him, sure, uh, perhaps you shouldn't see that, but it's just the human body. You know, it's no big deal. You didn't see anything violent or awful. It was, it's, it's just the human body. We all have bodies, and it's natural. That's what I said to my nephew. Mostly, I was trying to calm him down so he wouldn't rat me out to his parents. Um, but, you know, or going to school that morning, just saying to the teacher, Yeah, so my Uncle Mark shows me naked pictures of ladies. You know, I, I tell you what, when you start phrasing things as an uncle, you realize how creepy it sounds if you do anything wrong. My uncle showed me naked pictures. Listen to that sentence. Who wouldn't be alarmed by that? Cops would be at the door the next day. My uncle. Uncles are always up to no good. That's the, yeah, you watch any Lifetime movie, anything on the Women's Network, there's always an uncle doing something, you know? Any hoozles. So what? The kid sees some boobs, you know? Natural. No biggie. We're raising our child free. He's free from, from societal restrictions. But see, that, that therein lies the problem. He'll go to school, and he'll be cool. He's like, ah, oh, what's the big deal? So there's some boobs over there, some swear words that I know from Rage Against the Machine, you know, where they scream fuck all the time. You know, what's the big deal? Those words have no power over me. You know, and he knows all about political causes, right? You know, he's saying things like free Tibet and... All that shit. You know, and the other kids. But then that, that's what will happen is the parents of the other kids and the teachers. And they'll be like, hey, hey, those are bad. Those are bad things. You're bad. And they'll be like, what? I'm bad? I didn't know I was bad. You're bad. You sit in a corner or you go in the hallway or you're expelled or all this shit. When in fact, he's not bad. He's not wrong. He's, he's evolved. He gets it, man. Fucking anyway. But that's what you got to watch out for. It's this, it's this game that you have to play. That's what I think. The game of going, who gives a shit if he sees some boobs or if he, or if he knows what a swear word is? Or, you know, let, let's give him some credit. Why can't he know about uh, political prisoners, let's say? Maybe not that. You don't want to overwhelm a child with, with horror and, um, you know, tragedy. They don't. They maybe can't take that shit, but do you know what I'm saying? And then um, the rest of society comes in. Oh, the rest of society, guys. I sound, sound like some kind of conspiracy nut. The rest of society comes in, and they're like, oh, no, those things are bad. We are, we're moral Christian Puritans. You know? All right. All right, I'll stop showing them boobs, you know? Although to him... Like, he's still breastfeeding. There's no way that if my baby sees a pair of boobs on TV, he's going to be freaked out by that, right? That is something that you learn as time goes by. Like my little cousin, who, uh, not my cousin, my little nephew, who says, uh, oh, that's so inappropriate for me. See, he's learned. He's been conditioned by the system, guys, by the machine. We must rage against the machine. Otherwise... We will all be trapped in this loop of guilt 
You know, and being held down by the man. No, sir, not my boy. I'm going to raise him in the woods. We're not going to wear shoes. We're just, we're going to homeschool him. It's going to be great. We're going to be a bunch of hippy-dippy pieces of shit. Now, I just want to say, want to say thanks to uh, Absolute Comedy of Toronto. They had me all this week headlining their beautiful club, and uh, all the shows were great. You know, you can't say that all the time, but they were all great. Bit weird. Some of them were weird. Uh, for those of you who are at the Sunday night show, you know what I'm talking about. I, uh, I'm sure I got some, uh, I'm sure I have, I'm trying to clean up my language, Christ, my newfie bullshit. I'm sure I got, I'm sure I have some new listeners, uh, based on the amount of cards I handed out, uh, face-to-face interaction, you know, not that easy for me. I'm an introvert, but handed out the cards had some nice face-to-face with people. And uh, so if you're listening to this, thank you for tuning in and listening to my bullshit. But um, the Sunday night show, something happened that was a little insane. There was a lady. So I ask the audience questions sometimes. Like sometimes, like I have this bit I do where I talk about um, the differences in, in jobs and what I do and what other people do. And so I ask people, can you name a job that sounds sexy to you, a sexy job? Go ahead, name it. And people shout shit out, and then I play around with that. You know, it's a, it's a tiny bit of improv in the middle of my set that um, make, makes me feel more connected during a live show. You know, it makes makes the room feel more electric, in my opinion. So I do that. And one of uh, the so so on Sunday, some lady just starts yelling like a stream of consciousness from way in the back. I can't even see her. And uh, I said, you guys, can you name a sexy job? And she says, yeah, I sell dicks and anal lube. And right now you can get two dicks for the price of one if you come by. And then there's it. And she just like does a four minute sales pitch. And I just let her fucking go. I just let her run with it because it was hilarious. And um, I just wanted to see how long it will go. And it just kept going. And then I made some jokes. I have it on tape, actually. So maybe I should put it on YouTube. You know, because people love that heckling shit on YouTube. And, uh, but I don't know. I, cause I didn't go at her that hard, you know, because I was, I was, I didn't want the show to get derailed. I don't like fighting with audience members. Uh, obviously she was on drugs or some shit. Let's hope. Let's hope she was on drugs. Because if that's her actual personality, holy fuck. Right? She's a, she's a serial killer. So she just, uh, I made some kind of joke about how uh, it must be Nicki Minaj who thought this was her concert with the level of, you know, like dildo, pussy, vulgarity shit she was saying. And people had some laughs at that. And then I finally, when she kept talking, I said, can someone reach over and grab one of the dildos she's selling and uh, stuff it down her mouth? And then everybody applauded and she left because she didn't like me anymore. And uh, that's fine. Apparently she started, she was, she stayed in the bar and she went out, she was just harassing all of the staff. Just wouldn't, anytime a staff member walked by, she would just talk their ear off. Now, she apparently had been stood up by her date. I found this out afterwards, um, 
which, and that's why maybe I should have dipped in further. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just wanted to move on from it. But if I had dipped in further, I probably would have found out that piece of information from her. Oh, and all the fun we could have had with that. Guys, Jesus Christ. Because, you know, it's rare when the audience hates somebody so much that they will gladly listen to you cut her down. You know, so I don't know. I just, it's just I don't really want the show to turn into that ever. I have material, you know. I want to I wanna be good based on the shit that I bring to the table. I don't want it to just be this free-for-all nutcase of a scenario, right? Even, even her interrupting it really derailed the show quite a bit in that, sure, there was still a lot of energy in the room. In fact, there was a frantic energy in the room. So it was hard to massage it back into material, back into a regular show. I got it there, but I had to like be dipping in and out of the audience. I had to ask people, is she still here? What's going on? I had to reference it a couple of times, you know, just to kind of put it right back on track. You know, and it did get back on track and we had a great show overall. And people were saying, you know, they were they thought it was very funny the way I handle it. And they were impressed with that shit. But we would prefer not to impress an audience with the way we handle lunatics. We would prefer the lunatics not be there. Like one of the servers, she was saying, whose section was that? Because no one should have been serving her alcohol. And I said, I'm not so sure. I don't, I don't think she was drinking. You know, she was just getting up and going places and coming back. I don't think she had any drinks, which makes me think she was on the drugs. Do you know what I mean? Um, and let me tell you something. You talk about projection. Guys, I did psychology in university. I have a psychology degree. Let me tell you about projection. No, but I did psych, and my favorite thing was projection because I see this time and time again in life. People who call you something, they almost always are that thing. So here's the story with this lady. The show's over. The lights are on. I am avoiding this lady like the plague. I don't want anything to do with her. I'll tell you why in a bit. I'll tell you about... I have a, I have a doozy of a story. I probably titled the podcast the doozy of a story. So you know what's coming. Anyway, um, lights are on. And uh, Noor, uh, the host, Noor Kidwai, very funny guy from Calgary, just moved to Toronto. And uh, he's trying to get away from her. She has somehow cornered him. And uh, so he's like, okay, okay. And he, he's walking away and she goes, hey, you're fucking rude. You're fucking rude. So first bit of projection right there. Obviously, she's rude. She's like, you're fucking rude. And then he says, to his credit, no, you are the one who is rude. You interrupted the show a bunch of times, you know? Nobody asked you to do that. And she goes, you're rude. And then she goes, no, he asked me a fucking question. She's pointing at me at this point. I'm across the room, but she's pointing at me. She goes, he asked me a fucking question, okay? And I answered him. He's the one who's a racist. And Nora's like, what? And she, he's a racist. Anyway, so obviously I'm not going to talk to this this lunatic at all so i uh um she she eventually leaves without me ever interacting with her but i'm talking to jesse jesse singh young guy from toronto here fucking killed it did 10 minutes of just gold he just killed it and uh he was there his work was there actually he works i think with uh underprivileged youth something like that 
and um, he had brought uh, the work there because they had organized a charity thing, and it was great. If you ever want to have a killer set, it's in front of a bunch of co-workers who are seeing you for the first time. Like, you know, Jesus, a lot of pressure there. And he fucking came through. Uh, so, anyway, that lady, um, let's call her El Crazy. So, El Crazy, she had cornered uh, Jesse, and she said, uh, why don't you sit down with me? My date uh, stood me up. That's how, that's how we found out the date stood her up, because Jesse told us all. And, uh, and, he, and of course, he wasn't going to go sit with her. He was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go get a drink, and uh, maybe I'll come back. But she could tell he was not going to come back. And she says, uh, and Jesse is Indian, and she says, uh, that's okay. You don't have to come back. Brown guys have small dicks anyway. And he was like, what? Go fuck yourself. And then anyway, he leaves. Later, she uh, sees him again, and he's playing pool at the bar with his buddies, and his buddies are black. And now she comes up to them, and she goes, how do you all know each other? And Jesse should have just kicked her in the face. But instead, he answered her like a civil human being, and he said, we all went to high school together. She goes, oh, you went to high school together where? Juvie? And he was like, okay, you know what? And then somebody was like, you know what? You're a fucking racist, all right? And then she was like, well, I'm not a racist. It's reverse racism to say that white people can't say that shit. I can say what I want. It's reverse racism. And the person who had said that was like, no, no, it's legitimate racism. You're being racist. Go fuck yourself. So anyway, it's not over, if you can believe it. She, uh, at one point, Nick the Bodybuilder. Longtime listeners of the podcast, you know my friend Nick the Bodybuilder. He happens to live in the area of the Absolute Comedy Club. He actually went to see me on Thursday night. And now now this story is, is all taking place on Sunday night. And um, he shows up, you know, downstairs. He, come, he comes in and he said, hey, man, what's going on? And I'm like, Nick, what are you doing here? And how do you know something's going on? What are you, what are you fucking some kind of sixth sense? And he said, no, I was just walking past the club. And there's a crazy lady, El Crazy. She is out uh, on the street just yelling about the show. And I was like, what? So she ran up to Nick and was saying, yeah, there's a comedy show that downstairs, that the people, there's, there's the comedians making fun of me. And, blah, blah, blah. and so he ran, he was like, I know who the comedian is that night. It's, it's Mark. So he came down and was like, what is going on? I'm like, yeah, don't go back outside. That lady's going to stab somebody. Jesus Christ. And the thing is like, she was, she was probably, I don't know, 30, attractive, but just a fucking lunatic. And this is, listen, and you're saying, Mark, why didn't you go talk to her? Why didn't you go maybe go put her in her place, tell her to fuck off, etc., etc.? I'll tell you why. Here comes the story. Here it comes. You can't take that shit seriously enough, all right? Here is the problem with being a no-name comedian. Okay, we don't get the trappings of the good comedians. We don't good. Well, let's say more successful. Let's not let's not call myself bad. Right. Uh, The more successful comedians. We don't fly first class. Half the time we don't even fly. We're taking buses and trains and driving and shit. We um, we we don't get the nice hotel rooms. We get regular rooms or motel rooms. Yeah, we don't have we're not comfortable. We don't have tons of money. We don't have fancy clothes. We, we're, we're working guys. We're blue-collar comics. We're working. We're just, what we, what, 
the money we make is what we hustle up. We don't write out a tweet and then all of a sudden a theater's filled up. Like fucking, you know, like your Louis C.K. before everybody hated him for whacking off. We don't, we can't do that. We're just, we're guys, we're working stiffs, man. But the crazies, they don't know that. They see you on stage and uh, they can't put two and two together. They don't know that you're just a hardworking comic just trying to make his way. They see a celebrity. And they're like, I have to kill that guy. That is who I need to kill. We get none of the good stuff, but we get all of the bad stuff. Stalkers. El Crazies. This story is happened when I was in my second year of comedy. We're talking like 2004, right? Pre-iPhone. Mother effers. Pre-iPhone, pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook. Pre-pre. And um, I had a cell phone. They were pretty new at the time. The flip phones, anyway, were pretty new. The smaller cell phones. And uh, I was pretty happy to have that. I called it my business phone. I still remember the fucking phone number of that thing. So I got business cards printed out. I went to Staples. I printed them out there. And um, at the time, you know, I did... Didn't have websites and shit like that. So I just, I had an email address and I had a contact phone number. So I wrote those on the business card like a fucking idiot. So people had my personal contact. So anyway, I would give those out to anyone after a show who talked to me because I thought, I said, you know, you can uh, send me an email and I'll put you on the mailing list. And, and, you know, I was trying to build a following, you know, not a bad idea. Just a bad idea to put down my actual contact info. And uh, this uh, woman was talking to me at the end of a show. And, uh, you know, she she was clearly interested in me romantically. She wanted a bit of the old Benny Juice. Sorry, that was a little gross. But she wanted, uh, you know, she wanted some fun. And I didn't get the sense that she was a very stable person. Partly, partly due to my self-esteem issues. All right, guys? I'm figuring any woman throwing herself at me, because she was pretty attractive. An attractive woman throwing herself at me, literally, in my brain, I was like, what the fuck's wrong with her? Jesus Christ, she needs some help. But I wasn't wrong. All right? She had some problems, and I found out about that. Uh, she, so she started sending me emails. And... Uh, I politely declined um, the things that she asked, like uh, the dates and shit like that. And then I started uh, getting emails from someone else. And it was her ex-boyfriend. And her ex-boyfriend apparently had schizophrenia. This was according to uh, the lady. She had written me and said, Sorry, my ex-boyfriend is writing you emails now. He found your business card. And um, so... He has schizophrenia and he's off his meds right now. I'm like, oh, that's fucking awesome. That's aces. A plus. Hooray. I'm 25 years old. I don't know how to handle that shit. I don't know how to handle that now. So um, he writes me. And listen to this, if you will. He writes me an email that was oddly informative. He says... Maybe I know you're seeing uh, whatever the fuck her name was. I can't remember. Um, 
And even if I did, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it. I don't need to drum that up. For all I know, they're still stalking me. I don't know. So um, he says, I know you probably can't resist her because she's so hot. But I want you to know who she really is. Here is the website uh, for her services. And he linked me to an escort service. And it was real. Like, there was a bunch of ladies on there, and they were, uh, you know, selling their hours. And she was like 1100 bucks an hour, which I got to say I was a little impressed with. You know? Like, that's not bad. I mean, sure, this story is, is getting terrifying, but at least she's a seemingly an expensive prostitute. You know? I didn't get, like, a I'll suck your dick for $50 prostitute. At $1,100 an hour, I mean, fuck's sakes, right? At the time, I wasn't even making $1,100 a year. So, I mean, you know, she was doing well. Um, but now I'm, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit uh, off-put by what's happening. Then my agent calls me, all right? My agent at the time, no longer my agent, but a nice lady. And uh, we, she said to me, because we were quite friendly at the time, she said, if I didn't know you so well, I'd drop you as a client right now. And I was like, what the hell is going on? She goes, there is a guy who called my office and said that one of my clients, Mark Bennett, is uh, fraternizing with a known drug offender, a criminal, and a sex worker. And then he told me to go to a prostitute website. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. And she was like, you got to do something about that. And I was like, what? She said, you got to call the cops. I'm like, why? Call the cops? Really? But, you know, my agent is like an adult, and I was, I'm still not. So I was like, yeah, all right. I'll call the fucking cops. And I just call them, and I say, I'm talking on the phone to the cops. I'm like, so this is nothing, right? So, and they're like, no, no, that's something. We're sending someone over right away. I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay, now I'm starting to, like, the way the cops were taken so seriously, I was like, oh, fuck, maybe this is serious. But then the two dudes who showed up, the two cops, I'm telling them the story, and they're just laughing their asses off. And now... Now I'm feeling awkward because I'm still worried. You know, my, my agent has gotten me worried and the cop on the phone has me worried. But I'm trying to still sound like I'm a cool dude to these these uh, badass cops. So I'm trying to laugh along with them like, yeah, yeah, man, fucking right. <laughs> Prostitutes and, and schizophrenics. I don't give a shit. Right? And then they ask, can, I, can they see the website? I show them the website, and they're like, oh, fucking right, man, blah, and they're like high-fiving me and shit, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. So eventually they get down to their cop work, to their credit. They take out a notepad, you know, just like the TV shows, and they start writing shit down. Um, they take everybody's contact info and who did what and the timeline and all that, and then they're like, okay, great, well, thanks. I was like, oh, so what do we do? And they were like, oh, yeah, nothing. You know, but if if something happens to you, we, we know what where to go. I was like, oh, really? And they were like, yeah, sorry, that's the way it goes. So he has to do something. Isn't it amazing that you can't prevent a fucking thing? Something has to happen. There's no preventative measures. So uh, I'm like, okay, great. And then I start getting phone calls because, as I told you, my phone number is on that fucking business card, all right? So I start getting phone calls at 3 o'clock in the morning. Every night. And it's obviously this fucking guy. My cell, my flip cell phone's pretty new. I'm new to comedy. I haven't handed out a ton of those cards. There's not a lot of people that want to kill me. So I know it's this guy. 
And I and I'm like, hello, hello. Every morning, I'm like, and then I uh, another time, I'm like, hey, fuck you. Like, you know, I'm doing these types of things. And then, but now I'm thinking the cops aren't going to do anything, right? Until something happens to me, they got to put on the old thinking cap, right? So I write the guy an email. I write him back, uh, and I say, I don't know the lady you're talking about. She spoke to me. One time after a show, I have never dated your ex-girlfriend or seen your ex-girlfriend in any way socially and uh, stop harassing my agency and myself. I have, in fact, contacted the police and they are monitoring the situation. So that's the first thing I do. But the phone calls keep coming. They keep coming at three o'clock in the morning. Obviously, it wasn't enough. So... With the seed of that being planted, the next time he calls, I got a plan. Sure enough, phone rings, 3 o'clock in the morning. I pick it up. I say, gotcha. And I hung up. Huh? And guess what? Never got fucking called again. No more emails. No more phone calls. No more nothing. Genius. Fucking like Batman. Took matters into my own hands. Now, for all I know, they are still listening to my every podcast, all my moves, everything. Maybe they're maybe they're tracking me. Maybe they just heard that right now and was like, "Hey, what do you mean? I he didn't get me. He hadn't traced my phone call. Oh, it's back on. I'm gonna stab him in the ribs. I don't know, but that's what I'm saying." When, when the other comics are like, oh, so you're really not going to go over and talk to her? I'm like, no, there's no fucking way I'm going over and talking to her. Because that shit, that can escalate, man. You don't even know. And here's, here's one thing I'll say, especially, especially when it's a woman. Especially. Because when you're a dude, and I've said this before, and many others have said it before me. When you're a man, and you are stirring up shit, you know that there comes a point or someone's going to knock you on your ass. They're going to stand up and go, now, now, that's enough of that. Sit the fuck down. You're going to get popped right in the gob. And you're going you're gonna to deserve it. You're going to need it. And when it's over, you'll think to yourself, yep, yep, definitely went too far there. Women don't have that fucking little thing. I just, that's why I, I wished I had a little lady kickboxer next to me. You know, when it was all going down. And just have her go up and just roundhouse her. Right in the chops. And be like, yeah, that's how it works. You don't, you can't just, that is one of the problems that the ladies have. Is that, that's why they go, I think, like people always talk about women and their psychological warfare and how and how uh, guys will just fight it out. But women will try to damage each other um, psychologically forever. Or, you know, they'll... They'll lose their shit on a guy to the point where if a guy did it, he'd obviously be in jail. It's because of that, I think. They don't have that threat of getting their teeth knocked down their throat. So that that gives them this, this unlimited rope to run with. So it's just that's what we need. What we need, ladies and gentlemen in society, is a bunch of uh, ladies who, lady enforcers, their whole job is to stand around and go, hey, you, over there, with the mouth, you're going to want to keep that mouth pretty, so shut it. 
You know? That's why, though, you don't engage. There's lots of crazies out there, man. Lots of fucking crazies. And I'll tell, I'll tell you what else, too. Something else interesting happened from one of the questions. So this is the Saturday Late Show. Same bit. I'm asking what... Um, uh, I say, what's the sexy job? And then from that bit, I say uh, that musicians are the sexiest job. That's the answer, you know, because I'm going to do a bit about it. And then I ask, do you, who do you guys think is the sexiest musician? Just to have a little more fun, right? And um, some girl said, some young woman, let's, uh, let's, let's be 2018 about this. So some young woman, she said, uh, Trey Songs. And I had a moment. I even told people on stage about it. I was like, this is a depressing night for me because I don't know who the fuck she's talking about. And not be like, like in a way that was so just, I, I was saying, to him, was I in a coma? Cause I like, she's naming him and then other people. And I, I, I don't know what she's, I honestly don't. Like, when you're 39 years old, you say things like, oh, the kids today, you don't understand, you fucking millennials and you, and you, you generation alphas and whatever else you're called. Um, but you're only kind of kidding because you still feel like you're young. And then you go to a show like that and you're like, oh, no, I'm legitimately not young because I don't know who you're talking about. You, the names you're saying mean nothing to me. She showed me a picture afterwards. She came up after the show, and she was like, this is Trey Songs." And she's, is, during the show, she said, he looks like a younger usher. And I was like, well, thank you for giving me a reference to someone I could possibly know. And then I, and then I said, no, Trey Songs was not the sexiest guy. Do you have any other guesses? And then she was like, Marky Mark? And I'm like, oh, now you're just trying to name people you think I might know. And someone else yelled Rod Stewart. And I was like, oh, fuck you guys. Oh, we had a good time. We had a good time at my old man expense. But yeah, I really did have a good time at the week. I've had like two, almost three full weeks of shows, and they've all been so much fun that you just... I, I'm I'm in that state where you feel like comedy is a lot of fun all the time, and I know it's not all the time, all right? I'm not going to get comfortable. I remember one of the comics on, on the show... Um, I think I don't know when it was Friday or Saturday, and they were saying, uh, "Oh, this audience, this one's going to be great because it was a full audience." And I was like, "Ah, you never know." And then, like it, it wasn't that great, you know, for the. So, you you just you can never get comfortable. You can't assume they're all going to be good. In fact, you must you you must accept that a lot of them are going to be bad. And in fact, that's one of the ways that you grow because if you want to go up and kill every single night then you're not going to be trying new things. You're not going to be experimenting. Now, now I was headlining these shows. So, like, people, the, the ticket money that people are paying to come in, they're paying to see me, you know? Like, there's other acts on the show, but obviously I'm going to be doing 45 minutes. I, I'm closing out the show. I've really got to put in a good show. So you, th- that isn't the time to experiment and fuck around too much. Now, when that L crazy happens and shit, you got to play around with that because there's just nothing you can do. This leads me to uh, a point. You talk about trying to grow, trying to experiment, and uh, I'm going to have to talk to the audience less. And as much fun as I find it and as much electricity as it creates in the room, 
it is just leading to situations where it's not that helpful, you know? Like, you know, with that friggin' dildo lady, like, that's just, uh, you know, it it took away from... I think the show would have been great regardless, whether or not I did a bunch of audience interaction or I had just done my material. I think the show was hot. There was a, it was a hot crowd. And so I think it would have been great either way. So I didn't like the fact that I had to do it the other way. I like to do my set, you know? So I'm in control of that. Like, she was right. She was right when she said, He asked me a fucking question. I did ask her a fucking question. Unfortunately, she responded in a way that was um, completely fucking insane. And what's more is that I want to focus on writing bits that I can do on TV shows, uh, sets at festivals and stuff like that. Like I've just been so enamored with doing my headline sets. You know, I, I've turned into a headlining comedian almost exclusively. And that's, it sounds okay, but it's not because a lot of this business is showcasing. You know, and I kind of been turning my nose up at showcasing because I just, I like doing the longer form sets. And, you know, that to me feels more like real comedy as opposed to doing like a clip for some fucking, you know, high profile show and trying to, you know, get on a late night talk show. But see, the problem is, is like Chris Rock famously said, I do television so people will come watch me do stand up. And that is the point. So if I am able to, you know, swear a little less, have my bits maybe a little less controversial, um, not necessarily controversial, but n- some of my bits aren't TV friendly, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of like what, that's what I've been gravitating towards the things that aren't TV friendly. And, uh, that is not always good. What you, you want to be able to get on Conan O'Brien. You want to be able to get on Colbert. You want, you want millions of people to see your bit because then those people are aware of you. And then they can come watch your full set where you're free to stretch your legs and do whatever the fuck you want, you know? But it's nice that they know you're there. Right now, like I said, all I am, I'm a working comedian being followed around by crazy ladies. I don't want that. I want less crazy ladies, more, you know, goodness. But it was nice to have the day off today, I tell you what is to not have to go to do another show. I like doing like, you know, uh, eight shows in seven days. You know, it takes it takes a toll. You know what I mean? It uh, starts to take the good out of you. So today I just, I stayed home with the boy. We didn't go fucking anywhere, which was great. There's nothing better than bad weather because I can't take the boy out in the bad weather and I'm looking at him, we're looking out the window and I'm like, hey son, guess where we're not going anywhere and he's like yeah let's dance to rage against the machine which is hysterical by the way because he legitimately dances on his own now so but he's learning to dance based on zach de la rocca de la rocha i never know how to pronounce that the the head the lead guy from rage against the machine the lead singer he um he jumps around like a fucking jackrabbit on fire it looks so cool what a band they are man go back and listen to those guys they're so good so as a front man, it looks fantastic. He's jumping around. So Sam, he tries to emulate that, but he's he's an 18-month-old baby, so he can't jump yet. So he just stomps around like he's fucking trying to smash Beatles. Just, ah, ah. 
and uh, and he tries to jump, but he only gets as far as his tippy toes, which looks really funny. However, it is dangerous when he does it on the couch because he's like basically trying to kamikaze off the fucking thing. Doing a great job at daddy daycare over here, basically trying to get keep my kid from splitting his head open listening to his devil music. Honest to Christ. And before I sign off here, uh, let me tell you, you can, if you want to contact me, people at the show were asking how they could contact me. You can go to themarkbennett.com, and there's a little thing where you can send in an email, uh, T-H-E, markbennett.com. Um, just, you know, if you, if you want to know anything, just I'll, I'll send you a message back. But uh, please don't be crazy. If you're a lunatic, just admit it to yourself. And don't be sending me any fucking emails, all right? There's no way to get to me from that email. No personal information. You won't find me, you goddamn psychos. But for the rest of you, please, feel free to send a message. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'll check in with you soon. Have a great day. Oh, it's family day here in uh, Canada. Well, Ontario, I guess. So if you're celebrating family day, good for you. Talk to you again, guys. I said shut up. Good night.